What's the number one thing I see small business owners and entrepreneurs avoid the most? It's the numbers. And that's why I'm super excited to be joined today by bookkeeper Diana Gleason, who I've been working with inside of my Thrive Group coaching program for quite a few months now. And I wanted to share all her amazing wisdom here with you too, so that you can stop swimming in the dark when it comes to looking at your numbers and what they mean for your business. Well, hi there. I'm Sarah Glanfield. I'm a business and marketing strategist just for boutique fitness studio owners like you. If you're ready to be inspired and make a bigger impact, you're in the right place. All you need are a few key strategies, the right mindset, and some support along the way. Join me as I share the real life insights that will help you grow a sustainable and profitable studio. This is the Pilates Business Podcast. Welcome back to the Pilates Business Podcast. I'm Saran, and I'm thrilled that you're here with me again today. And I'm super excited because today we're going to be talking about a topic that I know many, many of us tend to avoid if we can, and that is the topic of numbers. And I'm joined today by Diana, who is a bookkeeper to small business owners. And she actually specializes in helping small business owners to understand the financial health of their businesses. She sees numbers as telling a story. And so we're going to dive into what that looks like and what that might look like for you inside of your studio business. So welcome, Diana. Hi. I'm so happy that our paths crossed through one of my Thrive members who um, connected us and um, and Diana and I have been um, we've been we've been chatting for quite a few months back and forth and I am she's been inside of my Thrive group um, giving them some top tips on bookkeeping and managing um, the number side of things and I really wanted to bring her onto the podcast because I do think that this is a topic that we um, we don't talk about as much as we should because the numbers really are just so important to the business. <laughs> oh, isn't that the truth? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, what we see, what I see, and, and, you know, when I talk to studio owners around the world, it doesn't matter what the background is. In fact, even if you've come from a corporate background or even if you've worked in finance or you've worked, you've done, you're comfortable enough with numbers, they do tend, that does tend to be the part of a small business that just gets pushed to the bottom of the to-do list. Um, looking at numbers, checking the numbers, taking the time to understand what they mean. Um, and it's quite interesting because, you know, we go in into business of, for ourselves often because we want to um, enjoy the fruits of our work, right? And um, and, and, and and access all of those benefits of, that come from having perhaps a control over uh, spending and profit. Um but it often is the part that gets ignored. Is that what you see too? Yes. And in my opinion, it's the most important part of your business. It's, you know, analyzing your finances um, and how your business is performing is how your business will grow. And when we ignore the financial aspect, um, these are the businesses that we see that end up in debt or sometimes fail because they're not, they're not paying enough attention uh, mm -hmm. to their bottom line. And so, Yes. One of my most favorite things to do with my clients is to analyze financial reporting because I can help them to, 
to paint the picture, to see the story of what has happened. And from there, we can strategize and say, okay, how could we bring in more income or, or these expenses were a little high, you know, what, what parts could we cut back on so that we can make you a little bit more profitable? Or what is the percentage that you're paying that contractor? And is it too high? And, and can it scale back or the next person that you hire in, let's not pay them as much because it's really taking a lot of money out of your pocket. So yes, the finances are just, um, when you are in business, any kind of business, you have to pay attention to your numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, um, it drives so many, like you said, so many business decisions that often if you're not using the numbers to help you make those decisions, you end up feeling your way in the dark and making a lot of guesses. And that leaves you then feeling not terribly confident in your decisions and questioning your decisions, or even perhaps not making a decision at all about something like how much to pay somebody or whether you can afford to hire someone else. And, you know, when you're building your business and you're growing your business, these are, these are certainly elements that you need to be considering as part of your growth strategy. And if we're not looking at what those numbers are and what you can afford to pay someone, or if you can afford to, to, to bring someone into your business, then it's going to hold you back. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. And from a compliance standpoint, um, (laughs) you know, I've seen business owners literally go build out a space, start a business and not tell the state that they live in that they are in business. And then when they go to file their taxes, um, you know, the IRS comes knocking and it's like, wait, excuse me. And they're, they're giving them penalties and they're looking for their sales tax. And, you know, it, it turns into a complete disaster. So just, you know, I think for me, um, I, you know, I was always like that worry ward in school that like, am I doing everything right? I don't want to get in trouble, you know? So f- for myself in my business, I, I want to make sure I'm IRS compliant because I don't want to get in trouble with the big guys where other people, I feel like just kind of, you know, it's not really of top of mind. And so that they forget sometimes that that is also a reason why, um, you really have to pay attention to your numbers because you don't want to end up in, in a little bit of trouble either. Right. Yes, absolutely. 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 Um, you know, and, and I, I, whenever I start working with, with studio owners, you know, we look at some numbers we look at, and I often will, we, we, we peek at the top line revenue numbers, right. Which gives us some indication, but when you start to dive into expenses and, um, and, and cash flow, you know, right. you're in a, you know, you start to think about, budgets and that sort of thing. And, and, it, and there's a lot, you know, it doesn't, it's not just about looking at those top line numbers, which is where we often kind of our, our thoughts go. Right, right. Like, wow, look how much money I brought in, but okay, what did it cost you to, to bring in all of that money this month? And so then what is the bottom line and what can you afford to pay yourself? And are you saving for taxes? Exactly. Um, you know what I mean? All of those things. So, oh yes. yes. So, so rewind a little bit because, um, what makes it quite unique for us to have these conversations is that you are really familiar with the movement and um and and fitness world as an ex dancer yourself and so tell me a little about how you i'm always interested to hear the background of how people end up where they are in their careers, especially in this world, because you tend to there's a lot of i i feel like people tend to move from one thing to the next in quite and do lots of big steps in different directions. So tell me a little about how you kind of came to be here. 
So I was like, I say born and raised a professional dancer. Um, you know, from the age of three, I was in the dance studio. Um, and it was everything. Um, I went to a performing arts high school. I graduated college with a BFA in dance. And then I worked professionally, touring, teaching, all of the things. Um, and then um, somewhere... I, you know, around like between like, I guess when I was about like 25 to 30, I worked inside of a dance studio where the studio owner was um, a, milita a military wife and her husband was deployed and she had her first baby and she really had to kind of remove herself. And I got sort of stuck with the back end of the studio business and I was invoicing clients. You know, I was taking I was paying the bills. I was paying the contractors. I was, you know, I was sort of like fell kind of into it. Um and it was great. And then I had a hip injury. I tore my labrum in my hip and it took me out for like a full 12 months and I needed a desk job. I couldn't move anymore. <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, the PT, the surgery, the PT. So um, at that time, I took a job in a nonprofit where I started to learn more specific, a more specific role in bookkeeping. And then lo and behold, during that recovery, my husband and I find out we're pregnant with twins. <laughs> um, so going back into the studio to teach at night, my life was sort of transitioning. Um, yeah. And I happened to be a very sick pregnant woman, and uh, probably because I had two babies in there at once. Um, yeah. And I was you know, getting ready to kind of go out on bed rest and a, a opportunity presented itself um, with a bookkeeping firm that was virtual. And the guy in charge was kind of like, I can teach you, you know, these accounts and you can learn and you can really like work from home on your laptop in your bed. And I was like, well, that works out because that's where I am for like the next nine months. So <laughs> um, that is Perfect. now my children. My boys are now six and a half. So amazing. Um, yeah. So that was how, uh, I, so I worked for a, a, a firm where we serviced about 200 small businesses across all different types, um, for six years. And, um, I, about seven months ago broke out to, you know, work for myself, um, and be an entrepreneur and it has been the best experience. And I really niched down my business specifically to creatives in business because, I'm a creative. Um, yes. And I find that the, you know, through my experience when working with the other firm, the the people that I connect best with are creatives in business because that's how my mind operates. And so when my wedding planner tells me like, I don't know anything about numbers, like, I'm sorry, I can't fill out these forms. And she's frustrated and she's apologizing that she's asking for my help. I'm like, I went to school for dance. Like, it's okay. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can bring it right down to their level because... Um, a lot of the times our education and our background is the same. I just happened to kind of find a way into finance that was backwards. Um, and yeah. so, and so those are, those are my most favorite people to work with because, um, especially studio owners, um, and people in the health and wellness space, um, whether, you know, dance, Pilates, yoga, et cetera, all of it, just because I'm so connected to it. It's my passion, you know aside from, and I've literally worked inside of it, um, yeah. myself. So sometimes I'll see red flags like, Hey, I don't think those people should be contractors. They should really be employees. I know this because I do it every day, but I also worked inside of a dance studio where we got a payroll audit and all of the contractors had to 
turned into employees and the studio owner got fined a lot of money. So, you know, it comes from both places, from experience in the bookkeeping world, but also real world experience in the studio world. Right. Yes. All incredibly helpful. And, you know, having come from that background, also you're familiar with the, with, and, and knowing that, you know, having that connection to the creative world, you are familiar with all of the things that come up when you're trying to run a business where, you know, the, the, the value is in your own talents. Right. And that creates, I think, a lot of uh, money mindset stuff for a lot of people. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um, money mindset. I see a lot. Um, I was on a discovery call with someone very recently who prefaced the conversation by saying, I want you to know I filed for bankruptcy many years ago. And so if we do engage together, this is going, I'm probably going to be a little bit OCD about my finances. And I want you to know why. And it's because I got myself into a lot of trouble and I've now cleaned it up and I don't want to go back there. Right. So like that, okay, that gives me like a nice picture of how I'm going to approach and address and work with this client because of the past that they had, you know what I mean? So really important, you know, there's so many limiting beliefs around money mindset. I find, um, especially with like women in business, we, we have a hard time charging our value for some Mm -hmm. reason. Um, you know, and even myself, if I'm getting ready to say like, Oh gosh, this client I took on now, she's doubled her business. So my work has doubled. And now I need to approach her and say, I've got to increase your fee. I've got all the like, you know, worry around. Yeah. Why do I need, you know what I mean? I think that's really hard for, um, for studio owners too, when they increase their prices, you know, like, the why, um, and feeling like feeling strong enough in yourself that you, um, you, the value is there and that, yep, this is what the price is now. And if, if you don't like it, then you have to go somewhere else. Right. And, and, yeah. and being secure enough within your talent that, that this is the right price to charge. Um, and I think that there's an element of, 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 I, I do see that everyone can, not everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of folks have to kind of go through that process of, of getting comfortable with charging a certain amount or charging what they want to charge. Um, and then also then get comfortable with the process of raising prices when it's needed. And there's a lot that goes into that. You know, I think there's, um, how you think about money, how you, from, you know, growing up and how you're, how, how you kind of treat it in your life outside of business influences the way that you treat, you think of money inside of your business too. And it's one of those things that when you, when you start your business, you, you know, you're not thinking that you have to address some of these perhaps very deep, um, deep rooted beliefs about money and, and whether or not, um, it's abundant or whether or not it comes easily or whether or not it's something that you should um, be, you know, watching all of those pennies or if you've, or not, you know, and, and whether or not you've, you are, you're, you know, and even when people sort of label themselves, you know, good with numbers or good with money or what have you, it, it drives the way that you treat money and, and numbers in your business, just like it does in your, in, you know, outside of your business. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was having a conversation recently with someone where we were reflecting on being kids in, in the dance studio. And, you know, um, it wasn't cheap <laughs> for right. our kids to pay for competitive dance. And um, 
I know in my family, I was always like super aware of how much it costs, how much my parents had to pay for me to be there. And because of that, you know, when it came time to buy in the fall, it came time to buy, um, you know, the the new fall clothes for school and the book bag and the sneakers. There was a budget and there were stores that we went to and that we didn't go to. And um and my parents made me very aware. They worked paycheck to paycheck. They were very much like hustlers um, to provide exactly what we needed and make sure that that we were happy. But we knew the value of the dollar in their time that they spent and that then they spent that money on us. So I feel like I was always hypersensitive to it. Um, and also a little like, well, how come so-and-so can go shop at Express and I have to shop at, you know, whatever, you know, right. <laughs> public yeah. target back then or something, you know? And, um, so when I graduated college and I got my first credit card, I went and shopped in all the stores <laughs> that my parents wouldn't let me shop at, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Because now I could, and it was my money, but then there was a bill that right. I had to pay yeah. and a hard lesson is learned. Right. So, um, I always say, I wish a little bit of personal finance was taught more at the high school level. Mm-hmm. Um, because, there's generational cycles of mm-hmm. money mindset, a hundred percent, you know, even just when I was ready to leave my job and launch my own business, my dad said to me, you're making more money than you've ever made. Why would you do that? Like be grateful for what you have. And like, because I see, I can see the impact I could make on so many more people and I can do it the way I want to do it. Yeah. And, and maybe in the process I'll make more money, but the risk for him he yes. would never take that risk, right? Yes. Like yes. no way. Stay. Like be grateful for what you have. Keep keep at it. Um, so there's a lot of that that just it comes from your parents and it comes from their parents on how you view money yeah. and how you spend it and how you um and how you value yourself around it, I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's fa- it's it's really thought provoking when you kind of take the time to think it all through. And, you know, again, it's not one of those things that you kind of expect to have to deal with as a business owner necessarily. And, you know, I know that when as, as, as teachers and movement professionals, you, you go into business knowing that you kind of have to deal with some of the numbers stuff, but you know, most of the focus is around serving clients and helping them to move and to get stronger and feel good in their bodies. And so what do you see as, um, what, what sort of advice would you give to studio owners who kind of are in the space where they feel that they, um, don't feel necessarily confident, I should say, with what the numbers look like in their business or even what they should be looking at. What's sort of the kind of go-to kind of, what what should people be looking for or looking at? So the first thing, the first mistake I always see is mixing personal finance with business. So two separate bank accounts from the get-go. Like Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this and you are still running your business through your personal checking account, today is the day I want you to stop and open up a business checking account. Keep everything separate. Um, And the next thing is you've got to put some sort of accounting system in place inside of your business. So even if you are on the smaller end and you don't need an accounting software like QuickBooks Online, that's what I work exclusively in, you can set up an Excel spreadsheet and just take right off of your bank statement, you know, 
the money that comes in, make an income column, make an expense column, total them up and see where you're at. You know what I mean? Just like bare bones. If you're doing nothing else, just do bare bones of that. Just to paint a picture, to sort of have an idea. Um, You know, in an ideal world, as your business grows, you should be putting your... um, your finances into an accounting software An accounting software like QuickBooks online, it literally connects directly to your bank account. So your bank account, your credit card, your savings account, whatever accounts you have related to your business, it brings in every single dollar that you spend and that you earn and you have to tell it where to go. So then you set up something called a chart of accounts and it might be the buckets might be advertising. It might be contractor payments, rent, you know, studio sales. You might also have online sales. You might have merchandise sales so that then once you've input that all um, into that system, which like I said, it it makes it really simple and user-friendly because it connects right to your bank account. You just tell it where to go. The end of the month, you're able to run a profit and loss report, which will show you what money came in and in which buckets, right? So how did I perform online? How did I perform in person? How did I perform with my merchandise? And what that totaled up? Then what were my expenses in all of those buckets? And then what was the bottom line? After my income minus my expenses, what am I left with? Did I save money for taxes? Um, and did I pay myself? And can I afford to, right? So yeah. like- You just, you have to have a, like just a simplified version, like to know just what your bottom line is, because if not, like I always explain it as like, you are swimming in the dark because if you know what I mean, like, how could you possibly make any type of decision related to your business? If you don't know what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, the other thing you mentioned earlier, which I kind of want to come back to is you mentioned that you know, it's one thing to be looking at, you know, your top line revenue number. But then once you start diving into the expenses too, you want to keep an eye on that profit margin, right? right? And from an absolute perspective, as well as a percentage perspective. So if you may, if you double your revenue, but you also double your expenses, then well, okay, that's fine. But let's not get too excited because your absolute, your profit margin is exactly the same. And so that I, I mean, you know, what we're, what we're, what the trade-offs you're always making with some of perhaps the investments you make in your business, say, if you're going to buy new equipment and so on, is that you are looking for ultimately for that profit margin to increase, wow. right? Um, you know, and, and, and not to decrease, right? right? Um, because you may have spent a lot on expenses and your, your revenue has gone up too, but perhaps your expenses went up more. And the only way to know that is if you're actually tracking these numbers. Yeah. And you know, my most favorite report to run is a profit and loss report and look at it month over month. So in QuickBooks online, you can run it that way. And so now, like, especially towards the end of the year, we're painting a picture or painting a story of what happened in your business all year. And we're going, well, January is really good. Well, it's always really good because everyone makes a new year's resolution and they sign up for the classes. They're going to do the things right. And then, oh, June really stunk because people were on vacation. And, you know, as long as you know, when we look for trends and we want to make sure that the trends make sense to the decisions that we've made. And if they don't, and there's any sort of anything kind of gleaming where you went, oh, your typical cost for advertising is $500 a month. Well, in July and August, why was it 2,500? And is that justified? And did it make an impact in your revenue? And if Mm -hmm. it didn't, let's not do that again. So 
it's that is like my most favorite thing to do with um, with my personal clients, because we can really look and nitpick and find ways to strategize to help the business grow in revenue, but try to keep our expenses almost close to the same so that at the end of the day, more money is going in their pocket. Right. And so how did you how do you encourage studio owners or, or business owners to think of sort of one off investments or one off larger expenses? Um. Exactly like what you said. Is is it going to long term? Is it going to benefit your revenue, or is it something that like you absolutely have to invest in um, because you need it to operate your business? You know what I mean? Like yeah. if it's a hundred percent hands down, you need it. Then okay, you know, let's make the investment. Let's do it, and um, let's hope it pays off. You know, um, example: building a website. Every business needs it in this day and age. Every business needs a website. People need a way to find you. They need to learn about you. Um, and so, a two to three thousand dollar investment on a website. Well, you're not going to necessarily, you know. Hopefully you see the sales come in, but it's just, that's just like, you have to, right? Um, yeah. And I would think, you know, with like Pilates equipment, I know a lot of it is, is pricey. So mm-hmm. when you're building out a new space or you're adding an extra, an extra room onto where you are and you're going to do um, different series now, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to invest. X amount of dollars into this new equipment. And so now what are the promotions I'm going to run to get the people in the door to use this equipment to help pay for it? Yeah. Right. Um, so I think those types of investments, as long as you're looking, um, I never advise to go in debt. Like, you know what I mean? It's always better if you have the money or close to having the money to pay for the big thing. But if you feel really confident that you can bring the sales in the door and pay off the thing you put on the credit card rather quickly, you know, then go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but if your business is already in the dumps, like 30 grand for the year, this isn't the year to buy the new equipment. Let's work right. on producing more revenue where you're at first. Right. Absolutely. Great advice. I love it. I love it. I love it. So yes, we are coming to the end of the year, which means that um, we are, you know, getting ready to be thinking about taxes and year-end tax preparations and so on. So talk to us a little bit about what that looks like um, or should look like perhaps for, um, small businesses. Yeah. Um, so this, I always like to say, let's be proactive and not reactive. So this time of year, November, December is when I start to really, um, you know, groom my clients to like these, we need to start thinking about things. Um, is your business going to make a profit? So if you look at your numbers and your business is going to show a profit of the, uh, at the end of the year, the hard truth is you will owe the IRS money. You're going to, you know, probably close to 30% of that profit um, after your expenses, you are going to owe. Do you have a plan to pay? And I always advise to put that, if you haven't yet, like January 1 is the, the best time to do this. Set up estimated quarterly payments with the IRS. Um, you can do that. You can sit down with your CPA and you can factor in the other parts of income that you have coming in, whether you also work in a W on a W-2 with your business, you have a spouse that also gets income. Um, and they will, your CPA can put all of that together and sort of estimate what they think you're going to owe. And so what I do is I, I take that, uh, what that payment's going to be quarterly. And we, I, 
I divide it up over 12 weeks and I auto draw. It's like, it's an every Wednesday, it comes out of my checking account into my savings account so that when I have to pay the quarterly taxes, the money's there and it comes. Um, so and it's not such a big burden. Jump. Yeah. Because you've been paying it every week. Super smart. Yeah. And you know, th- that th- the problem is, is that if your business did exceptionally well and you made no tax planning, um, you know, implementation throughout the year, then you end up on a payment plan with the IRS. And now that's another expense to your business plus saving for the taxes for the coming year. So number one, hands down, think about, are you going to have a profit? And if you do, are you prepared to pay your taxes? Number two, I always talk about W-9s a lot, especially in this space. A lot of us have contractors in our business. Um, and my number one rule of thumb that I want you to utilize all year long, not just now, is do not pay the contractor until you've received their W-9. Because you need their W-9 to give them the 1099 by the last day of January. Um, so sometimes you might work with contractors that come in and out of your business and then you don't see them for three months and then you're trying to chase them down for that W-9 in January and you can't get them. And then you're in a pickle. (laughs) And so um, try to make that a nice rule of thumb, collect the W-9, then pay the the employee or the contractor rather. And then, um, and then when it's tax time in January and you have to issue out all of these 1099 so that you can claim the expense, right? Like you can't, you can't claim their expense if you don't if they don't claim the income. Um, it's easy; you have it on file. So this is a great time right now to go through your contractor list and see who do I have and who do I don't who don't I have, and let me make sure I reach out and grab the W nine. And for anybody that doesn't know what a W nine is, that is just a form that will give you that person's either business name and full name, their tax ID number, or their social security number, and their address so that you can issue the 1099. Um, So you should have one on file for everybody. Um, Sales tax is a thing that's been popping up a lot lately. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And um, they'll get you when you file your taxes if you haven't been um, collecting sales tax. So you you really need to go to the Department of Revenue's website in the state where you operate and see which services that you offer um, are applicable to sales tax. I know most service-based businesses aren't. So, you know, there's not specifically sales tax on Pilates service. However, if you sell merchandise inside of your studio, you know, everybody, who doesn't want a walking advertisement of a really cute, like, hoodie with your studio name on it and have half the town walking around on it and sell them and sell them and sell them. But you have to charge sales tax on those. In most states, (laughs) merchandise um, is subject to sales tax. So you have to charge the sales tax. Then you have to act like a bank for your state and hold it. And then either monthly or quarterly, um, you have to remit that money that you collected back to the state. And if you haven't done it Again, that's another place where compliance comes in and, and uh, the State Department of Revenue will come down on you and, and flag you and ask for the past money owed. And then they'll also fine you for not doing your due diligence there. So look inside of your business. Do you sell merchandise? Um, if you're not collecting sales tax on it, today's the day to go figure it out um, and make sure you're, you're staying compliant there. Um, yeah. Super and helpful. Yeah. Um, another thing I, I see, you know, small business owners do 
at the end of the year is they see a big, they'll look at that profit and loss report and they'll see that they're making a big profit. So then they're going to go make a big expenditure so that they can lower that so Mm -hmm. that they owe less money. And to that, I say, if you, if you a hundred percent need that thing and you are going to buy it regardless, then buy it before the end of the year and help yourself out. But don't go in debt to buy something to lower your tax liability if you don't really need it. So right. let's weigh weigh the purchase there in in trying to bring down um, your taxable you know liability. Let's let's make sure this the spending is is really worth it. You know, right, right, and not a it doesn't take you into debt, right, and and like that seems that's the critical factor, and b that it's going to ultimately be something that is going to serve your business. Right. And it's not just a purchase of this extra thing that I don't really need that might end up even just living in my house and not in my business just because I'm trying to lower my tax liability. Well, now you just spent more money on the other side and all kind of washes out. So don't do it. Um, And, you know, lastly, for sure, you need to look at what happened inside of your business this year. You know, this is a perfect time to start setting your goals for next year. What are your goals inside of your business? Where do you want your numbers to be? Look at where your numbers are now and make a plan so that as next year starts to go, you can look at what's actually happening month to month or quarter to quarter. And where are you in your plan with your goals? And and did it happen? Did it not? And, and what do we need to fix? Because ideally that's that's how we grow a business. That's how we succeed, right? Is is making the plan and following the steps. And Absolutely. Those numbers are going to help you, you know, decode the story and really implement and and find success in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so what, how often should people be looking at their numbers or working with their bookkeeper to review their numbers? Is it quarterly? Is it weekly? Is it monthly? What do you think is the right frequency? I think monthly is your sweet spot. Um, you know, you should be reconciling your bank account. A lot of people don't know what that means. That just means we want to look at your bank account with your accounting software or your Excel spreadsheet that you've created yourself, whichever, however you're tracking and make sure what happened in the bank account and where, how you're recording things, they're the same. So we want to do that every single month. And then, um, then we want to analyze what happened, but we can't analyze what happens unless we know for real, we're looking at true numbers, which is why that reconciliation process needs to happen. Um, so, you know, that's really important. And, and to add, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't know what a bookkeeper should be doing for you. Right. So why don't you talk us through that? Because I have had this conversation with a lot, a lot of business owners. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, people just hire the wrong person too, and then they get a bad taste in their mouth. So what a bookkeeper should do for you every month is um, record all of your income and your expenses. They should then reconcile your bank accounts to make sure what happened in the bank account happened in the accounting software and make sure there aren't any discrepancies. I find discrepancies all of the time where, hey, so-and-so actually charged you twice. We need to call them and tell them to give you $500 back. You know, those are like exciting things happened or, you know, so-and-so actually never charged you. Um, You might want to let them know (laughs) or we could wait till they figure it out. But, you know, uh, just to have a little insight there. Um, Your bookkeeper can, and these are all tasks that are, you know, your bookkeeper should be able to do these things, but you can decide as the business owner if you want them to, or if you need them to, they can run your payroll. 
They can pay your bills. They can invoice your clients. Um, they can file and pay that sales tax liability for you, whether it's monthly or quarterly. Um, and then the most important part, in my opinion, for my clients, I give them a video explanation of their financial reporting at the end of every single month. And we'll look at it for the month and we'll look at it year to date. We'll look at it month over month, depending on sort of, you know, we'll, we'll niche it down to what they want to see. But again, to tell that story, how do we perform in January? Why? Um, how does that compare to February now where we are? Why? Is it explainable? Your, you know, your advertising was up or your contractor payments was up. Why can that come down? Um, you know, your income was through the roof. What, what promotion did you run? Wow. Did that work? How can you repeat it? So those types of things, um, you know, I call myself sometimes like, the bookkeeping, like, um, therapist or <laughs> like <laughs> sometimes people get really hard on themselves about, yeah. like, Oh, this month was really hard. And I, I didn't do what I wanted to do. And like, you know, I'm really good at kind of being the, like a third person. I don't, I'm not in the grunt of it with you every single day, but I can look at it from a different perspective and help you feel like, yeah, but what you're doing here, you know, or I had somebody recently like really down on herself about spending so much money on meals, um, and we eat out too much and I, this and I, that, and, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, you know, like when you, when you look at like where you live and what it costs and, you know, like it's actually, it's not terrible, you know, like, I don't know. So yeah. Having that, that just, fresh yeah. set of eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the last thing too, is your bookkeeper at the end of the year should communicate with your CPA. You're, they should be your A team together and working for you. You should not have to coordinate. You coordinate a little bit of it, but it should be a very easy handoff of your end of the year financials that your bookkeeper has prepared to your CPA. CPA is going to file the taxes. If they have any questions, they're going to ask the bookkeeper. The bookkeeper is going to give any of the information back to what they need and you move forward. And yeah. you should not have any stress in that process if you've got your A team working for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's super helpful to hear all of that, you know, because I really have seen such a wide, um, I don't know, deliverable from bookkeepers. It's really has, yeah, some, sometimes it's super helpful and other times it's not as helpful as it could be. And I think that if you can get, if you have, find someone who's really good, who can give you that feedback and give you that, I think the summary and the big picture is also, is, is so incredibly valuable because what we are looking for when we're thinking about growth is we're looking for the trends in our business and we're looking for which activities actually made the impact in a positive way and which activities may have made an impact in a negative way. Right. And so, you know, that may not be immediately from, you know, it, within a single month. And so you have to be able to see the trends yeah. and sometimes, and, and also take into consideration the seasonality, which, you know, a lot, not every single business has. So if you are working with a bookkeeper that isn't familiar with the seasonality that happens inside of your business, then, yeah. then, you know, they're going to be highlighting a problem for you that may not be a problem, right? right. Or vice versa, right? right. So, yeah. you know, you, it's helpful to work with people who, or, to, you know, just take the time perhaps to, to find a bookkeeper who's willing to understand your business at that level and the yeah. industry. 100%. For sure. So on that note, Diana, tell us how people can find out more about you and what you can do to help them. I know that you've got a few different ways people can get in touch. Yeah, sure. So always on my website, uh, dianagleason.com. All my social links are there. Um, I'm on Instagram. I give a lot of 
my Instagram is full of free advice. So if you're looking just for some free um, finance tips, financial literacy, just understanding what what the heck is, she's been talking about a profit and loss report. And I don't even know what she means. Go to my Instagram account. It's at dg.consulting.services. Um, there is a ton of information there as well. Um, and I'm on Facebook. I just created a new community and it is called the QuickBooks Queen. Um, and it is filled with creatives in business, uh, specifically geared towards them and it's bookkeeping, QuickBooks Online specific questions and financial literacy. And I'm starting now to just do free trainings every week in inside of that group as well. Fantastic. Lots of amazing resources. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diana. It's been been really great to have you here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Saran. This was awesome. You're welcome. And I'm going to pop all of those links to be able to access those amazing resources that Diana has shared and um, find her online as well. Um, so I hope that everyone really enjoyed this episode of the Pilates Business Podcast and that this conversation today was helpful to you. I think that these topics are things that we should all be keeping top of mind, especially as we head into the end of the year. Um, so if you found this helpful, then make sure you don't miss another episode of the Pilates Business Podcast by hitting that follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll see you next time. Take care. Did you love this episode and want more? Head to spring3.com and check out my free resources that will help you run a profitable and fulfilling studio business. And before you go, one last reminder, there is no one way to do what you do, only your way. So whatever it is that you want to do, create or offer, you've got this. Thanks again for joining me today and have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm-hmm.